Welcome to the 12th episode of Back to Basics, a podcast dedicated on getting you educated on the basics of life and beyond. My name is Maggie Windsor, and I am your host for today's episode. Today, we are going to be doing something a bit different. We are going to sit down and analyze a whole topic, or better said, part of one, instead of breaking it down into compartments. This topic is economics, the basics of how money works and how our economic systems function. Because whether you like it or not, if you are listening to this podcast right now, you're being part of economic systems that run our world and hang all of our lives in the balance. Let's get back to basics. First, we will look at the definition as well as the different types of economics. Economics is defined as the study of people in the ordinary business of life. It inquires how they get their income and how they use it. Thus, it is on one side the study of wealth and on other, the more important side, a part of the study of man. This definition is by Alfred March, a famous economist in the 1900s. To broaden our knowledge of such a complicated topic, we will start by learning simple terms. The first is opportunity cost. This is whatever you give up to do something. For example, watching Netflix instead of doing work. You do this because you believe it is the best use of your time. This ties into benefit versus cost analysis. Is the time you spend relaxing more important than a good grade? These are the questions you ask yourself when weighing whether to watch TV shows or do some homework. The next term we will discuss is scarcity. This is the tension between infinite wants and finite resources. You use data to discover how to get the most output out of limited resources. Scarcity exists because there is not an infinite amount of workers, jobs, or raw materials, so we have to make decisions. Another part of economics is that because it is the study of people, it is heavily intertwined with politics. This ties into the concept of scarcity because everything has a cost. More military and police spending decreases money for education or public housing. This is the opportunity cost of spending a lot of money on the military. Many government officials will use economic theories to guide public policies such as what to do in a recession. The next term is incentives. Incentives is a set of external motivators that explain people's choices. For example, in the US, universities used to get money for each student that enrolled. This gave universities the financial incentive to recruit students instead of helping them succeed. New incentives sifted the focus by giving financial aid to schools on the basis of graduation instead of enrollment. This fixed some of the problems, but also caused schools to be more lenient with grading and allow many students to pass. Keep in mind that more money doesn't necessarily mean better outcome. Changing incentives can fix problems without introducing more money into the system. Bad incentives usually equal bad policies. Now knowing some simple terms, we are going to talk about the two branches of economics, macroeconomics and microeconomics. Macroeconomics is the study of production, employment, prices, and policies on a nationwide stage. Macroeconomics looks at the nation's economy as a whole. It answers questions like, will unemployment rate rise if there's an increase in taxes? Will an increase in the money supply boost input or just increase inflation? Macroeconomics is also the economics that interacts with the government, corporations, and the media. Microeconomics, on the other hand, is the study of how consumers, workers, and firms generate outcomes in specific markets. It answers questions like, how many workers should we hire to maximize profit? And if our main competitor releases their product in May, when should we release our product? Even though macroeconomics get more publicity, it rides in the data analysis given by microeconomists. Together, they form conclusions on many different levels about our money and how to maximize it. Adam Smith concluded that division of labor is what make a country wealthy. This is based on the premise that one pizza takes a few people to be created. One prepares the ingredients, another puts it in a box, another in the oven. This division makes each worker more productive since each is focused on what they do best and they don't spend time switching between tasks. Without specialization, you'll have to make it yourself. So if you're good at producing something, specialize in it and trade it with others. One way economists measure possibilities of outcome is with production possibilities frontier, 
PFF. This shows different combinations of two goods being produced using all resources efficiently. Every combination inside the curve is efficient. Every combination outside is impossible with the given resources. The country that can produce more goods of one kind than another country is having a large advantage over that country in the production of goods. This is one of the reasons China was able to lift itself out of poverty. It started to produce more goods than any other country. This is linked to opportunity cost because opportunity cost is a cost of the production of a good measured in losses in a production of another good. This is why the country that can produce more goods with cheaper opportunity cost has a comparative advantage over the other country. This also explains why individuals and countries who specialize in producing things in which they have a competitive advantage and then trade it with other countries that specializes in something else. This trade is mutually beneficial. This is one point where all economists can agree. Specialization of trade makes the world a better place. Another important point to keep in mind is that self-sufficiency is inefficiency. As a society, we have to decide on three things. What we will produce, how we will produce it, and who will get it. The answers to these questions decide on multiple different things, including but not limited to the economic systems present in that society. Different systems will have different levels of government control. So depending on where you live, the answer to what we will produce may be what the government wants. The two main systems in control are market economies and plant economies. Market economies are where the people control the labor, land, and capital. This is the economic system used in Canada and the US. Companies and corporations decide what to produce based on what the market wants. The other form of economy is planned economies. This is where the government controls labor, land, and capital. Communism is primarily described by the lack of private property. Classlessness is a symptom of having no private property. Because of this, there are no true communist countries in the world. This is because all quote-unquote communist countries usually have some, political figures especially, who are incredibly rich. Socialism has some private property and some public ownership, while command economies are fully controlled by the government. This discussion brings us to our next economic term, the invisible hand. The invisible hand is the unintended social benefits resulting from individual actions. Using an old quote, it is not from the benevolence of the butcher, the brewer, or the baker that we expect our dinner, but re from regard of our own interest. The mechanism of the invisible hand is that if you produce unwanted or shoddy products, a competitor will produce better, more desirable products and will put you out of business. This results in businesses that make products that people want slash demand at the lowest prices. Systems that, like market economies are neither completely free nor planned. There's a spectrum of government involvement. All of this is demonstrated in something called circular flow model. But unfortunately, as you cannot see, as this is obviously not a visual media platform, I will instead describe the processes it is showing you. The graph represents the relationship between the free market, households, product market, and businesses. Let me explain. The modern economy is made up of households and businesses. Businesses sell goods and services to households via the product market. Households earn their money by selling their labor to businesses. Businesses pay for resources on the resource market, and the government will also buy products and resources, for example, when the government buys cars for policemen. The government also gets money from taxes on households, businesses, and corporations. To specify, the market is defined as any place where buyers and sellers meet to exchange services. This can include buying your lunch, hiring people to work at a bake sale, and selling children in the sex trade. These are all transactions that exist inside a market, illegal or otherwise. Another term linked to markets is price signals. Price signals is the information that markets generate to guide the distribution of resources. Businesses and specific corporations are often portrayed as greedy, heartless institutions that take advantage of consumers. But if markets are transparent and buyers are free to choose, it could have many negative impacts on different essential industries. To further understand different market systems and the way they work, we are going to talk about the system that keeps capitalism working. Supply and demand. Supply and demand is a pretty simple concept because there are only four ways a market moves. It works like this. When the price goes up, people buy less. When the price goes down, people buy more. 
more. When the price goes up, the farmer wants to produce more, and when the price goes down, the farmer wants to produce less. Thus, it forces businesses to find an equilibrium between the supplies and quality demanded so both buyer and seller are happy. This is all linked to supply. Linked to supply and demand is market behavior. Market behavior is also fairly simple. The market only moves four ways. Supplies can increase, supply can decrease, demand can increase, and demand can decrease. Within these movements come many different economic outcomes. Now using this new information, we are going to elaborate on the concept touched upon earlier, macro and microeconomics, macroeconomics in specific. As a refresh, macroeconomics is a study of the entire economy as a whole opposed to in individual markets. Macroeconomics and policymakers strive to achieve three things. Keep economy growing over time, GDP, limit unemployment rate, unemployment rate, and to keep prices stable, inflation rate. To elaborate these goals, let's break down the first and arguably most important one, to keep the economy growing over time, placing emphasis on GDP. GDP is the value of all final goods and services produced within a country's borders in a specific period of time, usually a year. Transactions are where nothing new occurred that doesn't count as GDP, as well as illegal activities. People don't usually report their cocaine sales to the government. GDP introduces another term called nominal GDP. Nominal GDP is GDP not adjusted for inflation. To measure a country's wealth, we use GDP per capita. GDP per capita is a GDP of a country divided by its population. High standard of living is also linked to high GDP per capita. This is because, while money may not buy happiness, it can prevent a lot of misery. Countries like the U.S. have much higher capita than 100 years ago, and this along with increase in education, readily available medicine, and civil rights movements have contributed to the overall higher standard of living. Going on the concept of GDP, we will talk now briefly about recession. Recession is one of the six months GDP has shown decrease. Depression is considered a very severe recession. Recessions also come hand in hand with low unemployment rate. Unemployment rate is calculated by taking the number of people that are unemployed and divide that by the number of people in the labor force times 100. There are many different types of unemployed workers. Some are worse for the economy than others. Discouraged workers are unemployed people who have given up on finding jobs. Fictional unemployment is the time between jobs where a worker is searching for or transitioning between jobs. Because of fictional unemployment, it is impossible for unemployment to reach 0% because there will always be people between two jobs or looking for a new one. Structural unemployment is unemployment caused by lack of demand for workers in a specific type of labor. Cynical unemployment is unemployment caused by recession. The natural unemployment rate is the lowest rate of unemployment that an economy can sustain over a long period of time. Unemployment rate goes hand in hand with another big concept in economics, inflation. Inflation, to put it simply, is an increase in currency supply relative to the number of people using it. This results in rising prices of goods and services over time. For example, in the 1950s, a one ounce candy bar cost five cents. Now the same size candy bar costs 55 cents. This is a classic example of inflation. The opposite to inflation is the less common deflation. This is where there's a decrease in general prices of goods and services. But deflation is not always a good sign. Deflation can signify a weakening economy and can stop consumer spending, which is a major propeller of the economy. This is where we shall stop. This has been part one in a two-part series on economics. In the next chapter, we will talk about the 2008 financial crisis, budget deficit, and more. In part one, we looked at some large concept in economics as well as the different types. Economics is something that influences us on a day-to-day -day basis. And whether you notice or not, if you buy food, have a job, or live in a house, you're contributing to these systems every day. That is why it's so crucial to have an understanding of the markets that run the world and how we all contribute to them, however minuscule that contribution may be. Thank you for listening to the 12th episode of Back to Basics. If you'd like to learn more, check out my Instagram at Back to Basics or my YouTube channel at Back to Basics. Have a nice day!